when making that decision to buy a house or obtain a mortgage, we got to make sure that based on the income you have and your income potential, that you're comfortable with that monthly payment. And so that's the first place I start is make sure, okay, based on what you currently owe on other stuff, whether it's car loans, credit cards, student loans, whatever it is that you currently have the liability towards, we want to make sure this new mortgage we're going to get you fits into that criteria. Welcome to How to Money with Cole and Cole. I'm Cole. And I'm Cole. We coach people every day on their money and how to plan for the future. As financial advisors, we're here to have an honest conversation on investing, retirement, and everything in between. At Full Swing Financial Planning, we're here to empower you to take control of your plan, your way, for your financial future. So let's talk money. And sports. Welcome back to How to Money with Cole and Cole. I'm your host, Bailey Ashbrook, and we got a special guest today, the modern mortgage lender, Brady Hay. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. We're excited to have you. And Brady, before we get into who you are, what you do, all the good stuff, I have something very important to talk about. Oh, boy. Oh, (laughs) boy. Here we go. go. Can we clip back to when I asked if anyone was with me on the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl and all of you were against me? All right. Another important thing before we get back into the financial things. Who's with me and who's against me now at this point? Who's with me on the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl? And who's Ooh, against me? Super make your picks, picks. Make them wise. I'll remember this when I make you wear something. I'm going with Purdy. Me too. 49ers. I'm going to stick with my original preseason pick and go 49ers. And I just want to say I won. That's all. Whatever. I knew I was going to lose. So oh, I was my already. gosh. They never let me in. I did waver, and I, and I definitely should have. I bet on the Chiefs, but... I didn't, I didn't say it on the podcast because I had to pick the 49ers at the beginning of the year. So I had to stick up. What a ball game, though. No. What a ball game. Mm. Does Over- anyone want to say good job? Congrats. You were Congrats, right. Bailey. Good Thank job. Thank you. I know I didn't get a, shared, a chance to share my picks, but I have to say that I predicted exactly what was going to happen. I, uh, I very sure you did. I, very, I have text. I have text to prove it. And not like <laughs> I'm just kidding. I, and when I say I predicted, I, I'm not talking in specific plays, but I had texted some friends of mine. I said, I really want Purdy and, and Kittle and the Iowa boys to pull it off. Yes. Uh, but I can't bet against Mahomes. You can't. He is I, a G dude. Yeah. He is a, he is a winner. He wins. Yep. And real quick, I thought it was crazy that the Niners took the ball first in overtime. One, I didn't know the rule changed in overtime, but two. Neither did they. Either did they. <laughs> yeah, and I know. And I was like, I get the defense is tired, but why would you give Patrick Mahomes the ball at the end of the game? Did you know what, that? What do you mean the rules changed in overtime and so they didn't know So in it? regular NFL season, if like, let's say the Chiefs would have, or the Niners would have scored, regardless, it was over. But you right. get a chance. Both teams get a chance. Unlike regular season, so let's say... So if you score a touchdown jump, in the yeah. regular season, the first team gets the ball and they score a touchdown, it's over. It's over. Correct. Yeah. So That's new now. If the Niners would have scored, it, and it, it kind of worked out because the Niners only ended up kicking a field goal anyways, but if the Niners would have scored a touchdown the first time they possessed the game, The game wouldn't have been over. Correct. Yes. The homes still would have gotten yep. it. Yes, but then I that's why you new. always want to take the Neither ball the second. Players, the players yeah. didn't know that. The, they came out and said, the Niners players came out and said, we did not know of the rule change. Yes. And the Chiefs players came out and said, we talked about it every playoff game to yeah. remember that the overtime is different. They also yeah. said they were going to go for two as well if they would have gotten a chance yeah. to score. Like if the if the Niners would have scored first, the Chiefs would have got the ball. They had full intentions of going for two to win the game. Yeah. Outright. Crazy. Oh, that's awesome. But the, only, the only bet I hit was uh, it was... 49ers halftime and the the game ended in a tie. It was like plus 360 or something something like that. And I put sick. 5 bucks on it. <laughs> something crazy. That was the only only bet. It was $5 and, and hit that other than that. It was a know. great Super Bowl in it the was. coin toss. 
Heads. Heads was the coin toss. <laughs> He's oh betting gosh. people. Yeah. What do I win since I was the one that won and I was right? I forgot what was the bet. You get to tell us basically what jerseys to wear now. <laughs> It's a, Remember, I'm an XL or a double XL. <laughs> you get pride all year. Mm. You know. So I can't Only wear one of on the pod and I want. <laughs> what do you have? So you got jerseys at home? Yeah, I do, but. I'm not wearing a Cowboys jersey. Why not? I will. If you tell me to, that's the bet. That's, that's, that's how it works, right? I'm a, a bet, you know. Let me think. Do I, do I have time to think about this? You do. Next episode. I'm going to make episode. you guys all wear your wife's jerseys, actually. That's it. I got one still. Uh, well, what do you mean? What? Like a Drake, Molly Drake jersey? Drake jersey? I don't think she does, actually. But it wouldn't fit me anyway. <laughs> what are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, agreed. Same here. Skin tight and a crop top. All yeah. <laughs> we'll think about it. Speaking of Kate and Clark and them, they lost. Yeah, they were up by 14 mm. with eight and a half minutes That's ago. A, that, that was, was bad. a bad loss. Cost them, could have cost them one seed. In my uh, opinion. Yeah, in my up. opinion, well, Ohio State's the one seed now. in the in the, in the, the Big, Ten, Ohio in the State big Ten tournament, but that ain't gonna impact. I don't think on she the Blaze. She got the a thousand point assist, and then she's, eight points away. Yeah, that will happen. When's she, the next game? Thurs, Is it Thursday. 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 Tickets are yeah spendy. So this podcast will come out be after that she breaks the record on so, Thursday. Night. Yeah, assuming she breaks the record, so <laughs> I think she'll get but, more than eight. That was yeah. the only game she had never scored in the fourth quarter. That is that is crazy. They, they just went flat. And then they obviously started missing shots, and it just went downhill fast. The Iowa men, though, came back. Biggest that was nuts. Deficit. They were down like 22 points yeah. or something. Their largest deficit since 1987 to come back yep. and win a game. That was crazy. Yeah, it was a good basketball. 22 what, points. What year? 1987. Was that, that, was, was, uh, that a was that a Wade year? Uh, <laughs> no, 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 he, he was still in high school. Yeah, he was later. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would have been eight years old. Uh, so, yeah, it was a long time ago. Aging yourself here. Not Brady, that we don't do that enough. Cole P likes to be the old man well that's i don't okay. like to be the old man i am the old man <laughs> it's funny you say that because i was going to talk about how you know once we get into the real estate market that this has been the toughest real estate market and since 1995 when i was one <laughs> <laughs> and i was going to age all of you and make you feel older than me yeah. well let's get into it then brady let's tell the listeners what do you do what yeah. is a modern mortgage lender absolutely no i uh it's kind of funny how i fell into the industry to be honest with you um so First and foremost, what is a mortgage advisor? I am a basically in in the more proper term is a loan officer. Um, so I help people buy houses, originate loans for them to obtain that. Right. So when you go to buy a house, you need a mortgage, and that's kind of my my approach. I don't work for a bank. I work for a correspondent lender, Key Mortgage Group, out of Urbandale. Um, and yeah, I you know I build relationships with people and and help them navigate the ever changing mortgage market. So you say you naturally fell into the industry. How did that happen? Ah, How did you get your start? Um, Ironically, I uh, graduated from college and my advisor at the time had a connection. That that was ironic that you graduated? Well, (laughs) for our listeners, they're buddies. Cole and Brady are buddies. So jabs will be. Yes. Go Um, ahead. Sorry, bud. No, you're good. Uh, So yeah, when I graduated college, I the, the advisor at the time connected me with some alumni from my school and he was a, um, it manager at a, a bigger bank and a bigger institution. And I went to go work in a call center environment from a mortgage standpoint. I had no idea what I was doing. I'll be honest. I didn't know what a mortgage was. I, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I obviously I went to business school, but I, I just wasn't that educated on how that works. And so I went into it knowing it was a sales role in a call center and just kind of got to learn the nuances basically as hard as I could. Right. And so jumped right into that. And then, um, about after a year and a half, I knew that I fell in love with the process of helping people buy and sell houses, but hated the way I had to do it at a bank. And so made the transition now to the company I'm with. And, you know, it's kind of 
gotten to build a brand that I'm proud of and represented by and all that good stuff. Wow, that story sounds familiar for me. I, I was I just thinking at, that. I was just thinking that. <laughs> I started at Principal Financial Group in yeah. a call center, mm-hmm. 401ks, had no idea what I was talking yeah. about. That, and, I feel uh, like that's the most... Yeah. traditional way of learning you really don't know what you're gonna do Trial by you fire. Get, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, when you go to business school it's like you it's can, all you can do anything right i mean you can go to finance you yeah. can go to management you can do whatever when you go to business school and, and that's why i tell people that's a great major because you could start at principal financial group a mortgage company you could start anywhere yep and really build your business and realize what you like for sure and, and, i always I would say out. the most valuable thing that I learned in school was more the ability to communicate and work with people rather than the actual content that they were teaching at the time. Um, so, you know, I came out and I still remember day one and training it at my first job. They were throwing out 30 and 15 year amortizations and I have no idea what they're <laughs> talking about. <laughs> Clearly, I know now, obviously, with, after, uh, you know, dealing with it a little bit, but it was just, yeah, it was a it was a learning opportunity. And, and again, the more that I did it, I, I discovered that it was like kind of a, a putting the pieces of the puzzle together type job. Um, and, and I, you know, ironically, I actually, I keep throwing that word out there. I apologize about that, but I was, uh, meeting with somebody yesterday and was telling them a little bit about what I do. And, um, I think the, the main reason why I love working where I do is because I get to, um, kind of combine a lot of different sectors of business in general. So it's more than just a sales role. There's sales involved, there's marketing involved, there's, uh, problem solving involved. There's a lot of different like, education. Yeah. I mean, you're educating people. Exactly. You know? So there's just, it's not just a show up and, and sell, right? It's, it's more of a relational uh, marketing. There's a lot of different sectors that I get to incorporate in what type, what I get to do. And every day is different. So I was just going to say, it sounds like what you really fell in love with was working with people and helping with people. So tell people what makes you a little more different than the average mortgage lender. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that, uh, just the format of how our company is structured, um, it, it allows me to care a little bit more. So it's not a, a salary position where I'm just showing up and, and checking boxes. I really get to be a part of their their journey, get to learn why they're doing what they're doing, what their goals are, and then I educate on how to most efficiently and effectively accomplish those goals. Um, and that's always my approach is when somebody comes to me and says, hey, I'm looking to buy a house or hey, I want to refinance, I always start rather than telling them, their maximum pre-approval amount, I dive really deep into what their overall goals are financially and figure out, okay, if you want your payment to be this, if you have this much money for a down payment, here's kind of what price point I would recommend in order to achieve those goals. And so I go into different loan terms, different options, and I won't throw all of those out just to kind of keep things simple, but there's a lot of different mortgage terms, products, ways to structure a home purchase and a refinance that can kind of help customize it. And I don't want to just like, let them choose. I really kind of guide them through that with the form of education after I identify those goals. So, so, so let's, uh, you know, we're, we're, we try to be educational on this podcast. So yeah. you're, you're talking about some of the different terminology and things you do with clients, but maybe give a couple, uh, you know, key points for someone to say, Hey, you know, Caleb just went through this process a while ago, but yeah. someone that's looking maybe their first mortgage or refinance, or, you know, what are, what are some very important things from the personal finance side to make yeah. sure you have an order to make it a successful process. The two number one goals that I always go through with my buyer's consultation when I first meet with people is is monthly payment and, and overall cash to close or down payment. 
And, and we want to make sure those two things are in line. So from a financial standpoint, when everybody's evaluating that, um, whether it's a budget or whether you're looking to invest, whatever it is, we want to make sure that the cash flow is there, right? So with your income that's coming in, we want to make sure you can support your monthly liabilities and what you have to afford. And so when making that decision to buy a house or obtain a mortgage, we got to make sure that based on the income you have and your income potential, that you're comfortable with that monthly payment. And so that's the first place I start is make sure, okay, based on what you currently owe on other stuff, whether it's car loans, credit cards, student loans, whatever it is that you currently have the liability towards, we want to make sure this new mortgage we're going to get you fits into that criteria. How often do you have it where I, I think I of our, just our, say, people our, overbuy. Yeah, yeah, our position is like, someone's like, well, I want to retire at 50 and yeah. I need $15,000 a month. And we look at their, yeah. you know, what they've saved and like, well, you're going to have to make some drastic changes here to get to that. 100%. You know, how often does that, that conversation More happen? More often than you think. Um, I will say I take a very conservative approach to the pre-approval process um, in actually educating them on their comfort level rather than their max pre-approval. So I think that helps a lot, to be honest with you, um, because there's a lot of times where people come in and say, hey, here's what I want in a house. And then I tell them like, okay, I could get you qualified for that. However, maybe that's not what you're comfortable with, right? If you have these goals. And I think that that's another thing that Going back to the modern mortgage advisor space, a lot of places other than where I'm at, maybe just goes in and checks that box, right? But it's the highest mortgage yeah, possible. Because at the end of the day, that's how we're paid, right? And it, it like that's how we would get benefited from a company standpoint is just to originate the highest loans. I care too much to do that. I care more about the people that I'm working with and I want to make sure that we're evaluating, you know, wh- again, what are you wanting out of this thing? And so one of the the processes that I have in place is every time I meet with a new client or get a referral from someone, I go through what's called a buyer's consultation. So after we actually get the pre-approval process in place and I kind of get a full picture of their financial profile, I'm sitting either down with them in person or via a Zoom call and doing what's called a buyer's consultation where I have like pre-scripted and, and like laid out questions and like they're more than just the average like approval questions. I really ask like prompting questions like, do you expect your income to change in the next five years? Are you expecting any expenses coming up? You know, and those scenarios can be, maybe you're going to go back to school. Maybe you're going to have a family soon. Like these are all things that I'll be honest, a lot of the people I work with haven't thought about yet. And so I just, I like to think that I go a little bit deeper with that process to really kind of help them probe what am I looking for here? Very similar um, to our world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you got to protect people from themselves sometimes. Yeah, totally. Even even though they could make the payment, right? It's going to put them. That's going to squeeze them. And too to kind of tie into yeah. what you guys do, I even ask them questions like, "Are you currently investing? Are you saving for a future child's, you know, uh, college fund?" Like these are all probing questions that I'm asking them because, frankly, a lot of the people I work with are first time home buyers, and, and they don't know any of this stuff, right? And they kind of need the that first time they've done it. But what I really like what you do is what I'm hearing is you do the full picture like yeah. us, the full service. The well, full, And I love the education you're providing people because you really want the house to be a blessing, not a burden. Correct. And it's such a big piece of your financial life. And obviously rates are high right now and there's so many things going on in the world. But kudos to you to take the education because I think a lot of old school mortgage lenders probably do be like, hey, you can get approved for yeah. this. Go buy and go have it. I also think it's interesting too. A lot of people... Um, when they're looking at getting approved, they like, instead of just diving right in and going full force, they're like, they just want to check that box. And, and they think from a, from a primary residence or a home that you actually live in, they, a lot of people think of it as an investment way, right? which it can be right. Don't get me wrong. Real estate ownership is a, is an investment in some shape or form. 
But I think the misconception is people want to just buy the the biggest and best house that they can afford just because it's a better investment. The reality is that's not that's not the way they should be looking at that, right? You don't want to just buy the most house you can afford just so that you can have the safest investment there. You really want to kind of find the house that fits your need and your lifestyle more than what is the best investment, if what that makes I, sense. What I like about what you do too is because obviously – you, like Cole said, you're a lot like us with, with, you know, you want to make sure that the people are doing the right things, but you want repeat customers throughout 100%. the next 30 years, right? I mean, yeah. you're, you're under age 30, right? I, well, barely. This is, it'll be this year. Okay. Ooh, big, well, big all here in a couple months. So. I mean, unless you're going to retire at 50, you know, yep. you're you, 30 years, you got people that are coming right. back to you with mortgages and people don't typically these, especially these days buy one house. And, you've done, and live you've done it. two for me. So two, and I'm, you know, I'm 32. You've done two. Three if you me. count Arizona. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah technically go. three. So, there yeah. You go. So, so you want repeat customers just like, you know, just like we do. We, we don't, we don't want people to come in for one transaction and be out the door. Right. Like we want, we want to be thoughtful in that transaction. And a lot of times I have to slow people down and I'm sure Cole has had this, like I've had a people come in with a, a $500,000 401k and they want to, they want to move it that day. And I'm like, wait, I, you know, I, I don't just, know you. I just met you yeah. and I got to learn a little bit more about you before I'm starting right. moving your money. You know, I need well, to you, ask you some questions. And you don't want to just assume what the best use is for that. Of course 000, not. Right? Yeah. Um, it's different for everybody. And we say that a lot, like not one mortgage is going to fit everyone's right. needs. Just like one retirement plan doesn't right. fit everyone's needs. But if you do things that are right for people, right from the start and you keep doing what's right for them, not necessarily what's right for you exactly. or for right for another person. Uh, they're going to come back and, right. and that's what you want to do. Another thing that's unique there is I obviously I don't work for a bank or an institution, right? So it's not like I have people walking into our office on a regular basis to deposit funds or anything like that. So the only way that my business grows is either by making an impact on somebody or word of mouth or referrals from other past clients and, and repeat business. Right. Or and cool so buy at another property. Hey, <laughs> yep. Sign Whatever up, it takes. Right? Um, 7% but, interest but rates. My, my point to that is like, I, I can't, I can't earn your guys's referrals, my clients referrals, if I'm not executing for them. Right. And exactly. I think that people are so much more willing to refer and that goes far beyond my industry. It's, it's really across the board, people are more willing to commit referrals if they feel that they gained value from what you provide. Mm -hmm. For sure. And uh, that's that's where I always try to keep the focus is I want to make an impact on everybody that I interact with. And I can't, again, earn their referrals until they feel that they've, you know, gotten some value from me. So what I hear, Brady, is you really care about people and educate. And like you said, just like you didn't know when you got into the mortgage world, you didn't understand anything. I feel like first time home buyers, it's very overwhelming. Like I think to, for example, the first time I bought, I had no idea what I was doing. We were buying through a friend and then boom, PMI insurance. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what that was. So before we get into what PMI is, I want to give an opportunity for the listeners, people watching this here to actually drop into the comments here, what PMI stands for. Uh, I'm going to give you about a minute and a half to do that. This podcast is produced by Spin Market and Digital. Located in Fort Dodge, Iowa, Spin Market's highly skilled team can help you increase your market by updating your website, improving SEO, designing advertisements, and producing podcasts that will grab the attention of your market. Contact Spin Market today for all your digital marketing needs at digitalagent at spinmarketwith2ks.com or Call us at 515-302-8026. And to learn more, visit our website at www.spinmarketwith2ks.com. That's digitalagent at spinmarket.com or 
302-8026 or visit our website www.spinmarketwith2ks.com. Let's do a little dollars and cents. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. All right, Brady, PMI. Yeah. PMI, sorry. PMI is short for or abbreviated for private mortgage insurance. I thought um, it stand for Patrick Mahomes something. Interception. interception. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't happen. Now, private mortgage insurance, and I think a big uh, a big topic on that around a mortgage is that a lot of people, frankly, don't know what it is. Um, what it does is it actually provides a opportunity for people to buy a home without putting 20% down. So anytime you put less than 20% down, that private mortgage insurance allows you to do that. Now, from a lending perspective, the reason why this insurance is needed is because technically speaking, and hopefully most people aren't, but the less you put down, the more risk you're seen as, if that makes sense. From an underwriting standpoint. Correct. And so what this insurance does is it it protects the lender more than the, the client. So it's not actually a benefit to you as a home buyer to have this. However, the reason it exists is so that you don't have to put that 20% down payment down. So you can buy a home with less down as little as 3% on a conventional loan. Um, and so that's why that insurance exists. So if hypothetically speaking, somebody puts 3% down and let's say two years into the home, they decide to stop making their payments. Obviously the bank's going to take that house. And rather than the bank having to fork over the money to pay off that loan, this insurance would do that if that makes sense. So from a, an education standpoint, that's what it means. Um, and it's, it's not a benefit to the clients. Now, the value add for you guys listening is if you're currently paying it, which a lot of people may not even know if they are or not, if you are currently paying it, there may be an opportunity to remove it if you have the equity to do so. So it's what's important is reach out to somebody like myself to evaluate your current mortgage situation. If you currently own a home, let's say you bought your home within the last five years and you put the minimum down payment down or even less than 20% for that manner and your appreciation has occurred and you now have the opportunity where you have more equity than what you originally had or maybe you paid extra towards your loan, whatever the case may be, there may be an opportunity to remove that either via just simply PMI drop-off by contacting your servicer or if we need to, we may be able to refinance to remove that cost as well. Does uh does it automatically fall off? That's what I was just gonna Will it like say it, you pay down your loan like your original loan was three yeah. you know x amount and you pay it down to where you have eighty percent or twenty percent paid. The down. answer to your question is it depends. Um, there's a lot of factors. It depends on the type of loan that you did. So if it was a conventional loan, it will automatically drop off at seventy eight percent of the original purchase price. Okay. But it doesn't and take in fact appreciation. That's on correct. That so that's the key that I want to make sure people know is like if your home has changed in value, which over the last five years, most we have, have seen some yeah. appreciation. Uh, it's important to evaluate that change. And a lot of times if you just have a conventional loan, you can contact your servicer. They may require an appraisal, but no refinance may be required in order to execute that. Um, and you can keep your great rate that you've got currently and just simply remove that PMI. Now, if you have a different loan type, either a you know FHA loan or a USDA loan, those PMI factors are a little bit different. Um, and in, like for an FHA loan, for instance, if you did not put 10% down when you bought your home, that PMI is actually required for the life of the loan. So you would have uh-huh. to refinance in order to remove that 
mortgage insurance. Sounds so, like a good conversation for yeah, someone. The reality to talk is, to you. is yeah. again, it's it's probably <laughs> over your head. So the best option is just to send me an email and send me your mortgage statement. I'll analyze it and we'll just kind of evaluate if it makes a little sense plug or not. for Brady. Right yeah. There. Well, yeah. and going back to just how you really look at people when they go to buy the house, if they're working with someone like you in the beginning, you might just avoid PMI because it is yeah. an additional cost and you're buying within your means. Right. So and another thing that I people that people in my industry don't talk about enough is there's different types of PMI and ways you can structure it. Um, now it's very dependent on the current market and kind of like potential for refinance down the road, but in a lower interest rate environment where you know, you're going to hold your loan for a long period of time and you're not going to sell soon. You're not going to refinance. There's actually an option when you close on a home to buy that PMI out up front so that you don't pay it monthly. So you roll it into your closing costs. Yeah. So instead of paying, let's just call it $150 a month for PMI, you can actually pay a lump sum up front in your closing costs when you buy the home and then you don't pay it monthly. Now, the only time that makes sense is obviously... You're pretty committed to that house. Yeah, you, you, you want to make sure you're going to recoup that cost, right? So if it was going to be 150 and it costs you five grand, you want to make sure you have time to recoup those those costs. So if you're going to refinance, if you're going to move, it may not make the most sense there, but that's something that I'm reviewing on your behalf and frankly don't even leave up to you to make that decision. So let's talk a little... We, we've, we've went through... And you've already talked about this a little bit, like the current state of the housing market. You yeah. said that there's been appreciation over the last five years, but um, talk about what the housing market is right now that you're seeing. And I know you're not, you're not a, a you know, you're not a real Housing is a hot topic for but, us. But yeah. Yeah. Organically, yeah. we've yeah. talked a lot it's about it. Because it's a good it. investment, right? Yeah. Right. Well, real estate, well, just in general and in interest rate environment. Yeah. So yeah. let's talk about, let's talk about the housing market, what you've seen recently. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe recommendations to people buy, sell, things like that. And then. Uh, interest rates. Let's go there. Yeah, absolutely. There's two different sectors here that I really think are important to talk about. Number one is the real estate market. Um, I'll be honest, the last two years, really even probably closer to three to five years have been incredibly competitive, right? There's been a lot of people buying and selling homes in the last three to five years, um, which has led to low inventory. Um, and I think that if I'm not mistaken, you guys talked about that either last episode or the episode before that. But um, yeah, so there's just been a, an abundance of activity in that market. And so there's been a lot of people doing it, which has led to multiple offer situations and, and just a lot Very of competition. Are we back um, to that? Are there other people that get multiple offers again? Two, we two weekends ago, I had two clients wrote offers and they both lost out. An over wow. asking price. Well, I don't remember the exact, I think we sure. probably offered a little bit under asking price, but okay. it's still, we still lost. Right? Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so there's, crazy I, I guess while. their point is, is that there's still people wanting to purchase homes, um, which is interesting because over the last I'm going to call it 18 months. It's probably been longer than that by now. Um, we've been in a rising rate environment. So rates went from literally record lows over the 2020 to 2021 season to peaking at just north of 8% in the last you know, 18 months or so. Mm -hmm. So with that higher cost and higher expense to buying a home, you would think that that would slow people down. Well, the thing that's been interesting and that's actually protected us from housing values not really dropping a whole lot and it actually increasing still is because of those interest rates increasing, people actually don't want to sell their homes. So there's been less homes for sale, right? They don't want to give up that really good rate that they, they got nowhere to have. go and they got nowhere to go. Yeah. And so they're not willing to like move laterally or even upgrade for that manner for a significantly higher payment. I think a lot of people underestimate to the amount of new buyers that are coming to the market every yeah. year. You think of people, you know, young adults, young professionals, there's new buyers coming in. That's why yep. how, how, 
uh, homes being built is, and we're underbuilding significantly right now. It's just a, you know, it's a, a math equation of like, we're going to be very short supply for probably a very long period of time. Exactly. I had this exact conversation with my wife the other day, cause we've talked about upgrading for a little while. And I'm like, we're going to triple quadruple our payment. Even <laughs> right. if we move up yeah, just a little bit, yeah, it's crazy because of what our interest rate is, you know, right. cause I, I ran some calculations. I'm like, I'm not going to go from paying. You're almost going to go down. If you want to move, you're going to have to go down in house. Yeah. Like Otherwise, your payments double, you're, if not yeah. triple, right? And it's, yeah, like that, it's crazy. That conversation kind of differs depending on whether you're talking about a primary residence or an investment property. Yeah. Um, if the if the investment property is going to cash flow, a lot of people are still willing to you know, to yeah, make that transition from a primary residence standpoint, it's really a lifestyle preference. And mm-hmm. so the other thing that I want to encourage people is people are still buying houses, even amidst these higher rates, because life happens, right? If you have a, a bigger grow, house, if you have a growing family and you need more room, you're going to need to move. If you're relocating for work, you're going to need to move things like that. So we are still seeing some activity and because of the low inventory, it is still competitive. Mm-hmm. However, it's still I still think that owning a home makes sense. And the reality of all of this is that amidst it, the op- the other option is either renting or living with a friend or family, right? And the reality of renting is that it's still getting expensive as well. And that costs far more from an investment standpoint than than owning. And so it, it all comes back to if we're going to make this transition and it just is very important to evaluate your overall financial comfort and make sure you can support whatever monthly payment we can get you. Because the reality is we as everyday individuals don't have control over what rates are. So what do you think's coming? That's what my next question. We're like, what do you predict get the housing cri- market? Crystal ball. Get your crystal ball out, I feel baby. like that's a big question. Everyone's like, we need one of those on the table. Other, other than you beating Cole and golf in, uh, yeah. In, my in crystal Nevada. ball was right about those chiefs. Oh yeah. gosh. So here's the, here's the, the, the ever wondering question, right? That everybody's been asking, frankly, for the last two years or longer is, is what is to come. And I'll be totally transparent with you guys. I think my take on it is entirely different than what most experts are saying. And more importantly, what the media is telling you. So most people know that Jerome Powell and the feds have announced over the last, let's just say two months that they expect rate cuts in 2024. Now, quick education point, the rate cuts that the feds are talking about is not necessarily a direct correlation to mortgage rates, but they tend to follow a similar track, okay? So with these fed rate cuts that are projected to happen in 2024, everybody's like, oh, well, mortgage rates are gonna go down. Well, here's my take. I I just don't see, unless some changes are to happen from a spending standpoint, how it will be, safe for rates to drop um, with an inflation like what we're currently dealing with. And the reason why inflation is where it is and why everything's getting more and more expensive, when's the last time you guys went to the grocery store? You can't walk out of there without spending a couple hundred bucks, most likely. It's like it hurts. four, it's it four hurts. or $500 and every time we go to the Walmart. And again, it it's, it's not like it's a direct correlation. However, my point to that is that people are still spending money. And that's the big problem that I think is important here is that- We haven't seen the, people tighten, tighten up Correct. Yet. The average American amidst this- increase in inflation and cost of living is still spending it. Now, where are they spending it? They're not spending it with their checking and savings account. They're putting it on credit cards. So I looked up this stat before we came, but consumer debt is at an all-time high right now. And that goes beyond mortgage debt. When you look at car loans, credit cards, student loans, people have an all-time high of amount of debt they have because they're just they don't have the money to do it, right? They just got to they got to keep living this fancy lifestyle they want. They want to keep buying all these things. And so my point behind that is like people are 
in debt up to their eyeballs. I hate to bring so, up that. So you're in the you're yeah. in the camp the the higher for longer camp, right? That's, I think that, that that's the healthiest thing for us because I think it needs to be eye opening to people. Because when you look at from a financial standpoint, you look at the last four years, nobody that has student loan debt has had to make payments until this last October. Yep. Which is crazy. They've been completely forgiven, and so they they kind of adjusted their lifestyle to not having to make that payment. Um, credit card debt, like I said, is in an all time high and people are just kind of content with letting that go because the terms are longer than that. The interest rate on credit cards is between 12 and 25%. Crazy. Um, auto loans were affordable for a long time. So people bought crazy cars that zero, they probably could afford. Zero interest at, financing, no money even down. Low, I think yeah. mine's like 1.9% yep. or something. No money down a lot yeah, of times. And, so. and the reality of cars is that they're all crazy expensive. You can't get a average car for what 50 grand i always nowadays? say that's the worst i'm advising people it's the worst debt that you know of so all my, the debts the car debt my so. point to this and i'll kind of bring it back full circle to your original question cole but it, i just don't think that it's safe for interest rates to drop right now because i know that the moment they do more people are going to want to buy houses i was going to say it'll go bananas inventory yeah. is already low so, so prices are going to be so high exactly so it's going to skyrocket prices it's going to make the market competitive again i just don't think from a from an economy standpoint that it makes sense to lower rates which is very contradicting because obviously i want personally rates to lower because that's how i make a living easy. yeah I, I will say though right? you're you're yeah, you're sense. spot on today the for what is today today's the 13th, 13th the the cpi numbers the com- consumer price index numbers came out and they were hotter than expected. So the market was down as of when we came into this podcast pretty heavy. And that's saying, Hey, inflation's, you know, prices are more persistent. Inflation's more persistent than what, what was expected. So the market doesn't like, you know, doesn't like that with what it, what it's done to rates. Another thing that I'll, I'll point out as well that I think is incredibly interesting. That's driving these, these rates and stuff is the jobs report. Um, for some reason, the feds keep saying that jobs are up, right. And the jobs are good. The reality is almost every corporate company in the United States is making cuts right now. And so people are losing jobs. My take is the only way that these jobs reports are quote unquote up is that people are having to make changes to where they're working multiple jobs in order to make ends. I think there's a lot of reshuffling too, you know, where people are going from one industry and that you're definitely seeing the tech sector as a whole. The tech sector is laying off a lot of people, which they're in that that's interest rates go up. It starts to go, where can we cut expenses? We need to cut our labor costs. Right. And that's what's so going on. My Yeah. General consensus is, is that there's just a lot of things that need to correct themselves before I think that we would be confident and comfortable to lower rates. Because again, as soon as those late, those rates drop, you're going to see the the demand and the desire to buy and sell. And, and really that goes beyond real estate. People are just going to start making moves. And, and frankly, we'd probably be safer off if people just started paying off the debt that they have, um, I which agree. I know is, a little bit different than obviously the the people you guys are fortunate to work with. I mean, you obviously you're financial advisors, and so hopefully a lot of the 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 clients and people you're interacting with are you know in a good place. You're advising them accordingly. They most have are, money, most are like yeah. most are some need Not some always. need help though. Yeah, yeah. Some need a help. lot of times we're talking to people about how well, like we need to pay. To, I gave an example in a prior episode where someone came in and they wanted to start investing. While well, I discovered that they had this credit card debt, yeah. I'm like, well. I can't responsibly tell, tell you. you to invest in something and not pay off your right. 25% debt. So we're going to work on that first. And the, yeah, so yes and no. Uh, I mean, a lot of our clients have been with us for a while, so they don't have that, yeah. that bad debt. They have good debt. So, um, but yes. My clients are an interesting perspective of, I've worked with people who have no money and they still want to buy, which is great. Like I can make that happen to all the way up to high wealth, high wealth, high net worth clients. So it's a, a wide variety and I kind of see all sectors of it. 
Um, and I just kind of have to advise accordingly and adjust the, uh, the advice I give them based on their profile. And I'm going to circle back to this full moment too. This always comes back to in a broken record on this podcast, take care of yours. Cause we don't know where the rates are going. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the world's going to bring. It's a, it's a voting year. Like take care of your home and yourself. And I think a lot of this is keeping up with the Jones. Like, Oh, I can have that house. Cause they have this house and working with people that care about you. Like mm-hmm. I know Cole and Cole care about their clients. They're going to do it right. I can tell from just talking to you, you're not going to just sell someone a house, a big payment so you can get a big commission. Like you're going to make sure yeah. this is the right house. They're going to be, it's going to be a blessing, not a burden for them. And you really care about them. So that's what I appreciate about people. Like just take care of you and take care of your home and pay off your debt if you need to, or save accordingly. And for first time home buyers, what would be the best tip you would give them? Um, again, I would, I would just start with your budget, evaluate your budget, you know, Favorite save, as, save yeah, as much Bailey as you can. loves the just budget, ev- Bailey. budget and Roth. Those yeah. are her like happy which, words, which is ironic for me to give that advice because I'm not great at doing it, Brady. Um, but I You're will say like, say it's, uh, it, it is important, right. To evaluate how much you're comfortable with from a monthly payment standpoint. Um, and evaluate what you're currently paying if you're renting right now and then talk to a professional like myself who we can evaluate, okay, based on what you're already budgeting for, how much house could that get you, you know, from a, from a buying standpoint and then also chat through, you know, how much money can you save? How much, you know, what's your extra income that you've got coming in? And then, you know, what does it look like? Do we need to put more down? Do we need to put less down? There's different ways that we can evaluate that. But again, just, uh, yeah, evaluate and have that conversation. Even if it's 12 months before your lease is up, it's just important to get educated on how that looks like. I love the education, but I do want to do a little plug because I see this too. I'm going to um, switch gears here. You do a lot on social media. Like as yeah. an entrepreneur, I can't imagine how competitive being a mortgage lender is right now. You're really good at making videos. Like I watched a video, you and a girl in the house the other day. I don't know. It was T- so ton cute. of educational yes, stuff. Yes. But yeah. like, yeah. how do you, how do you do all that? Like the, the social media I think engaging that, uh, with people and the I, entrepreneurial side. I think that's where the modern piece of my, my title yeah. comes in is because the reality of the younger generations right now is that the, a lot of people are making their decisions online, whether it's social media, whether it's Google, I was talking to a friend of mine yesterday. No, not yesterday. It was over the weekend. Anyway, um, they just redid their basement. And so I asked him out of curiosity, where'd you get your contractor? Who did you use? He said, well, we just Googled it. So that's my point right there is like, if, if, if you as an entrepreneur are not taking advantage of online and that goes beyond just socials and stuff, but if you're not taking advantage online, you're going to be behind the boat, right? Because the, the coming generations are making their decisions based on what they're seeing online Um, and there has to be a positive mix of value add and like funny content. You can't just be like all business. Yeah. That's why they have me on the pod because I'm the funny one. And that's why I actually (laughs) like, and again, not to subtle plug here or not, but that's why I started a podcast because no plug away. Okay. Um, (laughs) it's, uh, I I just think it's important, right? You don't want to be just throwing all this like fancy lingo out. And the reality that I learned about mortgage content is that people really don't enjoy consuming that stuff, right? Like nobody wants to sit and just scroll on TikTok or Instagram and just read a bunch of mortgage lingo and content, right? So you kind of have to have that happy balance of like capturing, like getting their attention, you know, and share your thoughts on the Super Bowl and things like that. That's why I love why you guys do the sports sector of your podcast, because you can kind of, you can relate to that, right? And, And the listener can enjoy that. But kind of back to your original question is the social media and the, in the online presence is just the, the reality of where the world is, is heading. And like I said before, I'm, I don't, I don't work in an office, right? So I don't have an opportunity where people are just walking in my door to get a loan. So I need to really have that exposure and selfishly social media is a cheat code to get in it front is. of people that 
you know, that you may not have interacted with before. We have people all the time, clients like, oh, how'd you hear about us? Oh, we Googled you or, oh, we saw your podcast or we saw your ad. I th- even yeah. older people, I hear more of that now. Yeah, like, it's definitely shifting, shifting the ge- to even older generation. I'm, I'm so, going to challenge you Brady, guys. Brady, do a plug. Where can they find oh, You challenge, but I'm, I want I'm you gonna, to plug yourself. I'm going to challenge you guys first. I will plug myself. You can find me on almost every social at just at Brady Hay Mortgage Team. And hey um, is H-A-Y-E. H-A-Y-E, correct. It'll be Everybody. in the description below because I know Caleb's going to do that. <laughs> um, but I want to challenge you guys. I don't know if you're doing like this a or challenge, not, but I want to make sure you guys are committed to starting a TikTok page if you haven't already. We uh, would, but we, we can. can't. We can't. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yep. We can't. So here's, trust me, down. I, It'll I would, happen. President Biden just got in the government, said they couldn't, and but the president has one. The, so. reason, <laughs> I'm, the reason I'm challenging that, and I'll leave it as it is because he can't, but the the algorithm on TikTok is incredible from an exposure standpoint. I really enjoyed um I've just seen more growth on that personally. Everybody has a different experience, but I've seen more growth because the the algorithm tends to boost it to other people. Um I've got a, a video on there that has almost a million views. Like it just it's getting me exposure. The other big thing that I think they're really dabbling in is the the live feature. Um whereas if you go live on like a Facebook or an Instagram or even a YouTube, you're gonna get the notification and the people to join that are already following you. Whereas TikTok tends to kind of blast that to the masses and oh, cool. you get exposure to mm. other people. And that's what we're all about, right? We want to help more people. And so that's why I think that that is a, uh, an option. So whenever compliance allows you to do it, I would encourage you oh, guys to can do you that. see so. Cole and Cole on TikTok? I should make him do yeah. dances yeah, doing and some talk dances about fighting. <laughs> like I call me. No dances. But yeah. That's, I guess I just appreciate you guys following along. Anybody that's listening. I love the opportunity to just pour into people, add value and uh, just be a resource. Right. And it's, I always take a very low pressure approach to what I do, and I just want to be a value add to uh, to everybody I get a chance to interact with. So. Well, this was this I was awesome. This. Yeah, yeah, thank yeah. you. Give us the name of your podcast. Yeah, it's the B. <laughs> wait, wait, what is it? Yeah, you're gonna write a little it down. mix up here. So it's the Brady Hay Mortgage Team podcast. Not super creative, but I just thought that was the way to go. It, I shorten it to BHMT just because it's easier to search and find. Love um, it. But the the kind of the heart behind the podcast that I've started is not just mortgage lingo and mortgage tips. I really want to give. Uh, other entrepreneurs, a platform to share what they do, right? Mm -hmm. So the people that I've had on, um, I just kind of get a feel for how they got their start, where they're at, where they're going, and uh, you know why people should work with them. So I very had, similar to you us. You guys need to be on his podcast yeah. now. Yeah, I've told Cole that for years, but he never comes down to Des Moines what to see me anymore. Cole? I'll be on your podcast, but yeah. So yeah, I've, I'm in Des Moines pretty frequently. If you want to have me, let me I'd know. love to. Well, maybe we'll just cut this one and do the, yeah. the next episode here. But yeah, yeah, um, yeah. but no, I I just have a I have a wide variety of. I've had a chiropractor, I've had a uh, financial advisor, an insurance agent, a couple of my mentors. I've just had a wide variety of guests on there and again just to give a platform and and have them share what they do and it gives frankly me an opportunity to have you know uh some some exposure to a uh, an audience that I'm not normally exposed to. So that's kind of the heart behind it. So awesome. Well, I feel like this has been very educational. So thank you. Absolutely. No, I, so I, much, I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, again, I'm going to leave you guys with my little tagline that I run my business by, but continue to focus on building quality relationships with quality people and growing together. And I'm just uh, appreciative to have all you guys in my corner. Woo. In order to help people, you have to first learn how to help yourself. Tiger Woods. Go Cubs. You've been listening to How to Money with Cole and Cole, the podcast of Full Swing Financial Planning. To learn more, visit their website at www.fullswingfinancial.com and follow them on Facebook and LinkedIn. For now, I'm Cole. I'm Bailey. And I'm Cole. And we'll see you on the greens. Four. Securities and advisory services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor, member FINRA, SIPC.